taking a subject that we probably all have some thought or understanding of what it means of worship and praise, and they're really different in their, their expression, and uh, you really can't do one without the other. Maybe you could try to praise without understanding worship, but uh, you, it'll, it will run dry on you after a while, and uh, hopefully today we can express some of that to you. But uh, the subject is really called restoring worship. And anytime there's a restoration of something, you want to kind of strip it down. You want to take it to that bare bones spot. You, uh, it's like taking a piece of furniture and, and uh, it's kind of worn out. And you know if you just paint over top of it, uh, eventually you're going to have the same mess going on. And sometimes I think we do that with subjects in the scriptures. We just kind of assume we know and kind of just paint over top of what we've been taught and learned instead of really digging in and getting some fresh truth or some fresh manna, revelation, and and I believe in this subject, we've been able to do that. What do I mean? Well, when I approached the staff about this subject here, that I felt that we were going to go in this direction uh, a few, couple, three months ago, to be honest with you, we were coming right out the gate with the typical uh, hallelujah expression, throw your feet up in the air and uh, just run you out the door all excited and pumped up and charged and ready to go. And and uh, the closer we got to it, especially even after last week, the more we got closer to the what God wanted us to hear, uh, there's some really internal depth things that we need to know before we do that whole shaky foot thing. And uh, so we needed to get down to strip it to the place where we can get to where it's just bare, it's exposed, and uh, then we can put some fresh paint on it. And I went back to, you know, I really believe that as a church, we're in a, a really unique season as a church that we started out the beginning of this year pursuing a, a, a purpose of really to discover what matters in God's plan and purpose for my individual life. And it's kind of been, we've been able to do that from digging into a lot of different subjects and, and digging in and getting better understanding of, his, of who he is. And so we're kind of doing that with this one. And, but I went back to January and I found this, the, the very first scripture we opened up the year with. And uh, I think it's interesting that we can bring that back Halfway through the year, man, it's, did you know the year's half over already? I know it's moving fast, you know, uh, it's getting up there quick, but in just a little bit of time, it'll be 2020, and uh, oh, guess what, man, 2020, a new Top Gun movie's coming out, come on, <laughs> Top Gun folks, Ooh, uh, Tom Cruise all over again, he's ancient, I get it, but never mind. <laughs> It's just my favorite movie forever, I'm just telling you. Uh, matter of fact, I got a book now. Um, anyway, I went to the scripture. I went and we read it, and, and I want to read it to you again. Because I think it will be a great place for us to take off even today so that we can get to where we want to be tomorrow or next week. Now, I'm telling you right up front, next week we, we, we're, we're going to go from this stripped down place. We're at the bottom today. And uh, we're going to go to where we got all the instruments back in their place and, and all of the singers back in their place. And we're going to kick it up a notch. And for all the people that don't like real outward expression of worship, you've loved these two weeks. And uh, for all the people that don't like this, you're going to love the next two weeks. So we'll get you all balanced. But, uh, uh, and if you ever want to blame anybody for the music and the loudness and the lights and, and all of that, blame me because I like it. I'm just telling you, if I could have smoke in here, I would probably do it, <laughs> you know, uh, and don't, don't, uh, that might be coming, you know, uh, but I, 
I don't want it to be just something that's entertainment. And uh, to do that, we've got to get to the heart of worship. We need to restore it. Let's go to the scripture. I think it'll be good for us to start with. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, this is the Passion Translation. It's, a, it's more of a narrative scripture reading. It's, uh, it, it really kind of brings some points home that I think will help us. But we started off with this. and It says, trust the Lord in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. Tell somebody you got an opinion. Now get rid of it. All right? With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision you make. He wants to be a part of every decision that you make. And in a crowd this size and the size we had in first service and what we'll have in third service, I would bet there's at least one person that's making a tough decision right now. And God wants to be a part of it. And he wants to help you get on the other side so that you'll make the right one because you can't make the wrong one without him. And if we begin to do some things here, he shows us here in verse 6 how to maybe get on course to make right decisions. It starts in verse 6. He says, become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. Point at somebody and say, it's time to stop being a know-it-all. <clears throat> for wisdom comes when you, listen, Wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided, everybody say undivided, undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. You can make wrong choices and there is a right and wrong, not religion, not bondage. No, there is a right and wrong way to walk in the grace of God. Somebody, sometimes people take the grace of God and carry it so far and are undisciplined. And sometimes people take the grace so far and ignore grace completely. And uh, there's a balance to grace. There's a balance to walk right and wrong. And if we use the scriptures, then it's pretty easy. Let me just be honest with you. In Corinthians, the scripture is very clear in telling us that um, you can do anything that you want. Actually, you can. Just that some things aren't as beneficial for you. That's what the scripture says. And so if I know that, that, what that tells me is that I've been given the most powerful thing on this earth over anything else, and that is my will of choice. No one can make you do anything. Now, you might feel controlled and feel like they are making you, but no, really, ultimately, you can say no and walk away and say, no, I'm not doing that. Same thing can happen with the scriptures. You can take the things of God and pick and choose what you like and the things that make you feel uncomfortable. You can walk away from that, but we, we, we don't want to do that. So he goes on to say, and I love this, it just takes it a little bit further, and he says, and avoid everything that's wrong, and then you will find healing, refreshment for your body and spirit that it longs for. Now, just look at this word. Let's take word, the word worship from a Webster's perspective. Okay, what does, what does the word worship mean? Not worship of God, okay? We're going to talk about that, but let's just look at the word worship in, in its existence in Webster's for, to begin with. It says, when you are expressing your love towards something, not God, just towards something. That's what worship is. Worship is to regard with great or extravagant respect. Not God. Anything. Worship means to honor and show reverence for something. Now, I want to read this next statement to you. If we long to go where God is going and we want to what God is doing, we have to move into a deeper, more authentic place of worship. Worship is more than a song. It's more than a service. 
Worship does have an expression. It does have an action that follows it. Worship, not only that, is really in the central core of what worship is. It's an offering. You are offering yourself to the God that you say is the God of the universe, and you're drawing closer to Him. And when you draw closer to Him, He will draw closer to you. Ultimately, worship is a lifestyle. And if we take that definition that we just heard, I'm taking, I'm going to express my love towards God. I'm going to honor and respect and reverence Him. That's going to be my lifestyle. I don't want to take us beyond that because when you think about drawing closer, right now we're going to look at this, <coughs> excuse me, I drank some Listerine before I came out here, and man, it is, I got good breath, but man, it messed up my throat. Anyway, Jeremiah, we opened with this scripture last week. Hannah did a phenomenal job at laying something out for us. Got us to where we're asking some of the tougher questions. And if you're not careful when you look at this, and I want to be very careful in saying this right up front, it's going to sound like I'm meddling into your life this week. It's going to sound like that we're doing something wrong. I'm not saying we're doing something wrong. I just want us to begin to ask a question. I want us to see a heart of God that not only goes through just hearing the old, it's, it's a very principle, a principle that moves through into the New Testament, into the words of Jesus, all the way over into the last book of the Bible in, in Revelations where John began to tell us about the forthcoming of Christ and all the prophecies that are taking place. There's a central thought, and I want you to hear it. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have done two things, but not just two things, two evil things. They've abandoned me, number one. And then I love the, the heart behind it. it. says, they've abandoned me. Like, come on, the fountain of living water, you're abandoning the very one that can take care of you and make sure life is fulfilled. And, and you're walking away from me. It's kind of the heart you hear here. Number two. He says, and they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. We've all made this mistake, guys. Listen, we have all made the mistake of replacing God with what I'm going to call today outside loves. We've all taken the place that we all know that God wants to have. If, if you're a believer at all, you know that God wants first place. At least we think we know that. But are our actions actually following what we think we know or what we're saying we do know or we're saying we do love? Are the actions of disciplines walking with that? And here's some of the things called out, what I consider outside loves. I wrote some things down. How about with your time, your calendar? Now you've got 24 hours. I get it. And the majority of that time is spent for you, whether it's work, family, Free time, space time, whatever, it is, whatever you need, church maybe. Uh, all of the time is in your hands. And outside loves, we can actually replace God. Maybe our relationships. Maybe our, our uh, likes. Now, the, be, let me be careful to make clear to you. God's not coming to take any of this away from you. In fact, he just wants to be a part of it with you. And we've got to begin to ask this question, is he a part of this with me, or is this something that I've just substituted for him, or it's become a habit for me that I just kind of bring him in every now and then, boop, 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 pop him in here and there? 
I, I love to fish. I love to uh, do all of the sports. I love football. I, I love all of those things. And maybe for you, it's gardening. Maybe for you, it's just being with your family. Maybe for most of us, it's just sitting on the beach and just watching over the ocean. And maybe it's boot camp. Like, I love boot camp. Those are outside loves. Those are things that God's allowing and giving us opportunity to do. He's provided the air that you're breathing to be able to do it. And we've got to ask, are those things becoming having such a place in my life that they're taking me away from that number one place that he wants to have? Move over with me to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 15, you can see here where Jesus approached, or the scribes and the Pharisees approached Jesus from a religious mindset, and they were actually pretty uh, high and mighty in their thought of what they were doing throughout religion, and they were glad to say, hey, we do all of these things, we represent you and what we're doing, and Jesus slapped them in the face and questioned their heart. In this verse, Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, he says, these people honor me, only with their words, for their hearts are so very distant from me. I'm sobering this down just a little bit. Revelations, John says this, another very similar principle. John wrote this to churches. There were seven churches, seven letters to seven churches, and here's the church at Ephesus. And it's almost like he's bringing the same kind of correction into their life that you just heard Jesus bring to the uh, uh, scribes and the Pharisees. Here it is, and he says, But I have this against you. You've abandoned abandoned the passionate love you've had for me from the beginning. I'm not saying you have. I'm not coming to you and making you feel, don't want to make you feel like or judge you or condemn you to think I'm doing everything wrong. No, I bet you're doing most things right. But I am posing the question to you, what place does God have in the life that you're living? Because this is the heart core of real worship. There's one thing that, about God that's really important. Take your finger with me. Hold your finger up. Come on. One thing about God. He loves you, point at yourself. He loves you more than anything else in this whole world. He's concerned about every thought, every emotion, every decision, every relationship, every uh, uh, passionate passion you have out in this world. He's concerned about every bit of that, and he's purposeful in make, giving you opportunity to have that. But we've got to ask the question, listen, he's never replaced your place in his life. Matter of fact, he sent someone in your place so that he could keep your place in his life. He sent Jesus to become Lord of your life. Once you accept him, that place is established with him and can never be taken away. You can walk away, but he's not going to take it away. The question we've got to ask, have I replaced his place in my life? It's funny, I I watch this and... And the first service was a little bit better about it. But for some reason, you guys must have a little bit more life you're living. But I'm watching heads start to drop a little bit. This is not to you. This is not at you. This is us together. What are we doing? I want to ask this question. Have I replaced his place in my life? Here's, the, here's the kind of the common theme, the common thought throughout the rest of this service. Have I... Am I spending as much time inside of a culture that represents God as I do all of these outside loves? 
Am I spending as much time daily when I get up, when I walk through my day, in a culture that represents God as I am all of these other activities in my life? What happens is we kind of create these habits. We kind of create these, uh, these go-tos. And let me be upfront with you. I have a real strong passion for, uh, my wife kind of chuckles every time I talk about this, but I have a real strong passion for the fire department. I've been a first responder for five years now. That's not very long in considered in the responder world. But in my world, it's been a lesson learned and a lot learned. I get a kick out of in the middle of the night, believe it or not, when that pager goes off and it's vibrating across the table and I know the adrenaline starts pumping and I'm getting ready to go. I'm, I'm serious. This is how I think. I'm thinking, I mean, it's going so much and, and, and I can't wait to just get out there, get my radio on and, and get to the station before anybody else get in there. I'm going to fight fire. I'm going to save a life. I'm, my whole mind's going through all of this the whole time. Until you see something you don't want to see, changes your perspective pretty quick. But, but if I'm not careful, put in 120 hours of, of, of training time a year, if I went to every single call, 300 calls a year for Roanoke Island, I would really have a lot less time for the things that are probably important. And I've had to learn how to balance that because it's such a... I love the leadership that comes with it. I love not just the leadership. I love the camaraderie of the guys. It's just, it's just something there. And, and we've got this phrase that, that, that is just all throughout our department. It says, we're better together. I just love all that. Yeah. I'm telling you, it really gets me going. And I'm an avid love hunting. I love fishing, and I love all of that too. And I love football. I love, I like just about any sport, to be honest with you. Even sports that I don't like, I like because I can get into it. And I really, <laughs> I'm pretty good at sports that I don't like. I just find the winning team, that's who I pull for. <laughs> I'm not real crazy about soccer, but, um, but if we're not careful, those outside loves can take a place that God just wants to have a place in. He doesn't want to take those things away from you. But are we creating habits that take us away from him? Now, here's a little bit of meddling. And you, nobody likes to hear this one a little bit. But, but you know, that sometimes we justify these habits underneath of a title called family time. And, and family time is definitely priority. But when it starts, let's just talk about the whole church piece, coming to church. Now, I'm going to be adamant about you coming to church. I'm a pastor. You hope I would be that way. But I know what happens. I know what happens between Sunday and Sunday. I know how life can take over something. And there's something about getting around, as the Scripture says, as you see the day approaching in the lives of believers, as you see the day approaching of Christ's return, he says, gather yourselves all together all the more. Why? Because you're going to need each other. So many times just by coming... I'm, most Sundays when I get up to come here, I have the thought, I don't want to go. Most of the time when I get up to go to boot camp every three times a week, I have the thought I don't want to go, but I'm always glad when I do because the reward is so much greater on the other side. And have we created some habits that we're rewarding ourselves with things that are only temporary? 
Hannah touched on it last week. Are we coming into cracked cisterns that will only fulfill you for a certain amount of time that will push me to a well that will eventually run dry? It will. Cisterns, wells that are out there in the world, outside world activities and and pleasures and and family and, and relationships. If we try to get from all of those things that God is the only thing that can fill those things, and it will drive you. Your loves will drive you. And your habits will drive your loves. And your actions will follow all of it. And eventually what will happen is it'll drive you to the wrong well that eventually will dry up. And sometimes that well of dryness will come quicker be, uh, if there's not a discipline of uh, a discipline where we're bringing God into our culture and to our behavior consistently. What will happen is you'll hit that place of disaster and you won't respond out of a faith response to the things from God. You'll respond out of emotion and circumstance, and you'll be defeated, and then he'll get the blame for it. And all along, he was just trying to step in every moment. And this happened to the woman with the, at the well, the Samaritan woman. I'm not going to read the scripture to you for time's sake. But in John chapter 4, this woman approached Jesus from, from really a life. So actually, she wasn't even coming to Jesus. She was just coming to a well to get some water. And she just happened to run into Jesus. I wonder if that would happen in church one Sunday. You just happen to run into him, and he changes your life forever. I wonder if we happen to run into to somebody out on the street and somebody in the post office or the grocery store and this is their life, lifestyle of worship. This is not worship. That's expression of what's happening on the inside. And if I've got someone that's eternally secure in some things called truth and some things called spirit and they're eternally knowing of those things, I can approach them at any point in life and they'll make change in my life because they bring me to God. And so if I'm not in that place, which I would venture to say we've all maybe have a little bit of misplacement right now, a little bit of misplacement of habit, a little not having disciplines that will take me and have me ready in a place of response. Wow, this is good for me. (laughs) I get it too. If I have daily disciplines, simple disciplines, Bible-type disciplines, Christian simple-type disciplines. If these are not there, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian, but you're going to be a shallow one, and you'll be a destroyed one eventually. Simple things as Scripture, daily, morning, 15 minutes. That's very shallow. 30 minutes. A time of prayer. Everybody's head's starting to go down. Why? Because it's not there. When it's there, head's starting to go up. Because those disciplines in the morning, I talked to a gentleman after second service, and he asked me this question, and I didn't give this first service. I didn't give some how-tos and some answers. And, and he said, he says, Pastor, I, I, I pray all day. I feel like I talk to God. And I love what he said here. He says, I'm even praying in my sin. I'm like, okay, that's a good one. At least you're talking to the right person. But those disciplines of the Getting to know the Father through the Scripture, and Jesus the Savior, and the Holy Spirit the helper and the standby, 
And in the time of prayer, I told him, I said, man, in this place of work, I know where he works. And I said, look, talk to him there. Give yourself two or three times. What will happen is, I know, bring it back to my first responder experiences. I know that those disciplines, if I don't have them, I'm going to be just like anybody else. But those disciplines that have been in my life for 30 years, not because I have to teach you, because I need it just like you. When I get on a truck that's racing down the road, sirens going on, I'm putting all this stuff on, mass is going on, I get the same time, oh, it's cool, the adrenaline's going, but... At the same time, my discipline creates a worship that comes out of my heart that says, Father, I thank you that as we go, whatever we do, I'm protected and we all come out alive. You won't do that without spiritual disciplines of worship. This is the core. I got to move along because we're at the bottom of time. John chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus said, an answer to the woman, the Samaritan woman that came to the well. He read her whole mail of life. He says, this is what you're doing. You got five husbands. Bop, 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 bop. He addressed her. He talked to her. And then he responds. And I believe this is the answer to the core of worship when we restore it back into your life. I'm just asking you to ask the question. Is worship priority number one? I think we love it, but do we really love it? Here's the question. John 4, 23. But the time is coming, indeed is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The majority of us understand the outward expression of this. But do we understand the internal change that's underneath of this expression? What was coming out of my heart, I couldn't interpret for you in a clear way. It would take hours for me to be able to do that. But I did find something that I think will help us. It takes this principle, it takes this powerful truth that Jesus said to this woman that had messed her life up royally and had brought her to him and he said, look, I'm going to be the only well that's ever going to fill you up. It's, I'm it. And then he says, this next lifestyle will be the lifestyle that will keep you free and your well will be full. It's a lifestyle of true worshiping in spirit and in truth. And here's what it looks like. True worship must be in spirit. That is engaging the whole heart. Unless there is real passion for God, there is no worship in spirit. At the same time, worship must be in truth that is properly informed. Unless we have knowledge of the God we worship, there's no worship in truth. Both are necessary for satisfying the God-honoring worship. Spirit without truth leads to shallow, overly emotional experience that could be compared to a high. As soon as the emotion is over, when the fervor cools, so does the worship. Truth without spirit can result in a dry... <coughs> excuse me, dry, passionless encounter that can easily lead to a form of joyous legalism. The best combination of both aspects of worship results in a joyous appreciation of God informed by Scripture. The more we know about God, the more we appreciate Him. The more we appreciate Him, the deeper our worship. The deeper our worship, the more God 
is glorified. Question. When I think about spirit and truth, in a nutshell, spirit means am I all in? Am I all in in my real trust with God? Your disciplines that show up on the outside will confirm that. If there's no outside disciplines of, I hate to use the word disciplines, we hate the word discipline in church. But if there's no daily ritual of yourself, reforming of some habits, Reform means I'm going to take it back. I'm going, to, I'm going to amend something. I'm going to correct some things. I'm going to bring it to where it's first again. I want to reform these habits to say, look, just are these habits there? Have they been there? Are they not there? If they're not, bring them in. If they were, bring them back. If they're there, just capitalize on what you got. Truth means I'm staying all in with a God that has a plan and purpose for my life. Truth means that, you know what, I'm going to trust him, that I know that he's a God that's going to restore my life. And when I hit this moment of bad day, if a bad day comes at me, he's still the same God that causes me to triumph no matter the circumstance that I'm facing. And if there's a lifestyle of this, this is who you are, this is how you'll respond, this is what you'll have. I want to read to you what somebody gave to me on the way out the door. I thought this was really good. He says, am I spending as much time preventing disaster as I am managing disaster? Are we preventative in disaster? Are we just managing life? God doesn't want you to manage life. God wants you to conquer life. God wants you to overcome in life. You cannot read the scripture from start to finish and not see how much he has in store for the person that knows him, the person that walks into freedom of him, that realizes his purpose is available and he's in that purpose. And that guy, that girl will make a difference. This is the core of worship. This is what it means to restore it. And I want to pose this question to you through a scripture. Coming back uh, what we've said is coming back to a heart, coming back to a question. Am I replacing some things that may be okay in their replacement? They're not bad against God. God doesn't care. But have I got him in those places as first? Because that will create the lifestyle of fulfillment that you're looking for. And if you choose to set him on the side and bring him just in and in and here and there, you will always be unfulfilled. And disaster will come, and you'll be overcome by that disaster instead of overcoming the disaster. It's really called the spirit of faith. When I think of truth, I think of the spirit of faith. When I think of spirit, I think of the spirit of faith. And that's the kind of faith that lives on the inside of every single believer in this room. We just are asking ourselves, are we acknowledging that? Let me read this last scripture to you and ask you this question. Psalm 139, stand up with me. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways. 
the path that brings me back to you. We have come to the bottom. We stripped the furniture off. It's only up from here. I'll bring you back next week. I'll bring you to the place where your legs will kick, your eyes will raise up, maybe your hands will go up, maybe you'll make somebody nervous around you. But the only way you'll be able to do that if you have an internal knowing of the God that you are worshiping, it's just not an emotional experience. It's something real because He changed your life.